is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. What is up and welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I am Connor McKnight. Spring training is underway. Man, it feels, I don't know, when spring training got started after the whole 99 days of lockout, it just kind of felt, okay, well, now we'll get going. We'll see what happens. There was this whole frenzy of free agent signings. Everything from Joe Kelly to Carlos Correa in the AL Central. Uh, and, and then it's just kind of slowed down a little bit, felt a little bit more like normal spring training. But before he knew it, we are 13 days from opening day. It is coming up. And I can't wait for us to bring you White Sox baseball here on ESPN 1000 and all over the White Sox radio network. Good morning to you. You've got an hour of White Sox talk for you today. Uh, different kind of setup for the show. We're, we're a little interview heavy today and, and happy to be so. Let you know where we're headed and uh, what we're going to pick up later on in the show here as we go. But I uh, do want to let you know that as we get started here, a uh, couple of things to touch on. We've got new rules the 2022 Major League Baseball Series. Talked about them a little bit on the Waddle and Sylvie show on the flagship uh, earlier this week, but I wanted to bring them up here on White Sox Weekly as well. We've got a game coming your way this afternoon. The White Sox and Angels are your afternoon matinee. I'm not sure you could put a matinee anywhere else. Yeah, no, it's a 3 o'clock start here for us on ESPN 1000. Shohei Otani gets the start for the Angels. Vince Velazquez, the starter for the White Sox. The Sox are 5-4. and four. In spring training play, not that records mean all that much, but that record does include a split squad sweep of the Chicago Cubs on the first day of spring training. That was back on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, we've got to talk about Lucas Giolito and the conversation going on in White Sox camp. We will get to that for sure. There is also a sticky story going on in Major League camp. It broke yesterday afternoon, and we didn't even have a chance to get to it on the afternoon show. It was just kind of one of those, uh, one of those kind of Friday news dump feel sort of things. But Tom Verducci has a piece on SportsIllustrated.com about sticky stuff in the game. We went through all of that last year, and it looks like we will go through more of it this year, let you know what's going on there a little bit later on in the show as well. You can join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on April 12th for opening day as the White Sox take on the Seattle Mariners at 310. The first 20,000 fans will receive a 2021 AL Central Champs pennant presented by BMO. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. Uh, Tyler Aki's our producer this morning. He is uh, freshly, well, refreshed, I guess, from all of the college basketball he's been watching. Tyler's a, a huge college basketball player, actually. A full disclosure before the show. Tyler and I usually spend the moments, the minutes talking baseball, but today, Tyler, this morning, it was, it was all college basketball. And it's actually, I was thinking about it as you and I were talking about it, about the St. Peter's win, the Peacocks taking down the Boilermakers last night. Um, I can promise you that in locker rooms all across Arizona and Florida, Major League Baseball players are also 
talking about the upset last night. Like, that's how big a news deal this was. That's how big a sports scene this was. And everybody's walking into clubhouses all over the place and comparing their brackets and crossing out everything they had because the Peacocks have upset them. They're talking about that St. Peter's upset just as much as everybody else is this morning. It's great. No, one of my earliest sports memories is the Arizona-Illinois game back in 2005. And I remember I was at spring training. When I was in Arizona, I was going yep. to saw a couple Cubs games, saw a couple Sox games, and I remember watching that in a hotel in Arizona, and then going to watch spring training right after that. the uh, The cool part of of spring training baseball, and I'm glad you know it started when we actually had it first and foremost. But the cool part of spring training is at some point, you know, the tournament is on during spring training, and when you see, you know, if you look up in the press box. A lot of sports writers' heads are turned to watch uh, the, the lone TV in the press box and watching their alma mater. You'll go into the clubhouse afterward and or, or during the game, and sometimes you'll get a starting pitcher uh, who went to a college that's playing. You know, and they'll they'll get interviewed. You know, after they've thrown their innings, and the first thing isn't you know how do they throw or anything like that. They're asking for the results of a March Madness game or something like that. Like that's it's all it's all kind of intermarried like that. Or you'll see. If you go down to Glendale and you check out a White Sox game at Camelback Ranch, maybe you'll head to Glendale after the game, like I did. Maybe you'll wander into one of the uh, one of the fine wings establishments there at the Westgate, and you'll take in some tournament action with some uh, icy cold beverage. It's a good time. It really is. It's a good way uh, to marry spring training baseball and March Madness. More games uh, tonight, so it'll be a lot of fun to watch. A lot of you fun, fun to hear the White Sox and Angels this afternoon. Len Casper and, and Darren Jackson have the call at 3 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. Again, that's Shohei Otani and Vince Velazquez. Um, as we get started here today, the the interviews that we've got for you are fun ones. I got a chance to meet Josh Harrison, the new White Sox second baseman, when I was down in spring training two weeks ago and really enjoyed it – there's a brief interaction that we had, just kind of a, hey, how are you? I'm, my name is Josh. My name is – I told him my name was Connor. He said he's Josh. It worked out that way. Uh, and it was fun to meet the guy. He's got a lot of energy. He's, um, he's a, obviously a great clubhouse guy, 35 years old, been around the league for a little while. And the hope is that he can be, you know, a, a real solid contact bat, a, a, a reliable defender at second base for the White Sox. And they have talked, Tony LaRussa and, and others, have kind of talked about how Josh is projected to be the, I don't know, primary second baseman. Not necessarily the starting second baseman, but the guy that's going to get uh, probably the first couple of cracks at things and the majority of playing time there. But the idea is that Leary Garcia can mix in at second base as well. Uh, and Harrison can find some of the better platoon, ma- well, some of the better matchups for him, not necessarily platoon. Anyway, Josh was on with Carm and Yurko earlier in the week, and I caught a couple of minutes of it. Short little interview. We'll bring that to you uh, in the second segment today. Also, the White Sox have put together kind of a, a brand new feature over on their YouTube page. Just head over to YouTube and, and, and search for the White Sox homepage. They've got a new series up. It's, on, it's, it's a documentary uh, on Tim Anderson, how he got to where he is. And they go all the way back to his days at Hillcrest High in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And the first episode is already out. Um, it's, it concerns their run to the state title in basketball, Tim, obviously, we've, we've talked about it a ton here on the show, and White Sox fans are well aware. 
Tim was a basketball player first, got to baseball a little bit later on in the game. Um, in, in his high school career, he had a broken leg, uh, two broken legs, his left and his right. Um, and that kind of halted his high school athletic career. Obviously, broken legs will do that. But uh, his senior year, Scott Suttles, the basketball coach there at Hillcrest, uh, was looking for a point guard. He had a darn good team and needed a point guard. Tim had been in and out of some of that, uh, some of the basketball action at high school due to the broken legs, as we were just talking about. And uh, they just kind of talk. Uh, the, the episode is about what it was to get Tim Anderson onto that basketball team. Tim talks about it a lot. Uh, Scott Suttles is featured in that first episode. The second one comes out on March 29th. Looking forward to watching that one. Uh, but we're going to have Scott Suttles on the show a little bit later today, so at 9.35, you'll hear from Tim Anderson's high school basketball coach. And it's it's going to be fun to talk with him about who Tim was then and how as much as Tim has changed you know, since arriving his rookie season with the White Sox and, and turned from a, a pretty shy rookie who was uh, looking to find guys like Todd Frazier in the clubhouse to figure out where to line up on the infield and, and how to get things done, um, just checking in and making sure that he was doing things the way that solid veterans were doing them so that he arrived as the, uh, as the primetime shortstop that we know him to be now. We've also seen his personality explode in a lot of different ways. Tim's been through a lot, and that journey is documented in that YouTube series on the White Sox YouTube page, and we'll talk about it with Scott Suttles coming up at 9.35 as well. All right, let's get to the news from camp. Obviously, the the big conversation um, around the White Sox in spring training the last couple of days, and, and really around a lot of teams, has been the arbitration filings. Now, usually... I don't like when we've got to talk a whole bunch of, you know, procedural X's and O's. But when the lockout started, we kind of figured that this offseason was going to be more of a, of a fine print conversation about baseball than it was going to be about the fits and roster building and, you know, kind of the um, – the, the real baseball of it, the on-field of it. So because the lockout happened and because arbitration filings um, were going to be pushed to a different situation, a different setup, and, and some you know, might not even be reconciled until the season starts, uh, they were gonna be, they're going to be more front and center than they sometimes are. You've probably read the news, and it's been documented by everybody from Daryl Van Scallen to James Fegan and Lamont Pope and Scott Merkin on everybody's uh, website and everybody's publication that covers the White Sox. The disparity between the Lucas Giolito's arbitration filing number and the White Sox is not much. It's reported to be something around $200,000. Lucas in talking with White Sox beat reporters earlier this week, expressed his um, dissatisfaction with the process of arbitration and that, you know, things got so kind of nitpicky over the, uh, over the discussions. Um, It wasn't just the $200,000, but things got really close in negotiations leading up to those arbitration filings. Rick Hahn has spoken as well, White Sox GM, and kind of just you know bottom line the thing with saying yeah this is you know it's, it it can get kind of dicey here these conversations it can get a little unpleasant you know arbitration filings are what they are and most players who have literally gone to those arbitration hearings not just for the White Sox but for you know any other team you know you go and and that team is telling you and telling your your agent and the third party arbitration uh, person 
exactly why you're not worth as much as you think you are. And I can tell you, that's not all that fun to listen to. It's it's just not. You know, you can be the best player in the world, and they're going to tell you all of the things you can't do and, and why you're not worth uh, the value that you think you are. So most players opt to stay out of those arbitration filings. And to the White Sox credit, they've not gone to arbitration with players all that often. Uh, I think it was a 17-year run leading up to 2018 when the White Sox did go to arbitration with two players, Avisail Garcia and Yolmer Sanchez. Um, it, it was a 17-year run up until that point where the White Sox had not gone to arbitration with their players. What you'll also read about, and I just kind of wanted to uh, whiteboard this for White Sox fans who who weren't um, necessarily acquainted with the arbitration process. It's not all that fun a thing to have to deal with when you're talking about your your team that wants to go to a back-to-back AL Central title and, and hit the playoffs again and make a run a lot deeper than they did last year. Those are still all expectations on the line for the White Sox in 2022 uh, but you're going to read the phrase trial or a file and trial file and trial and the idea is there and it's a little overused it's a little overworked cliche in baseball right now but it's the idea that teams will just and and players will file their numbers as lucas and the white Sox have and then they'll go to that arbitration hearing and see what happens that's not how it has to work the two sides can work out a settlement, um, a new deal, in, in some cases even extensions, after those numbers have been exchanged. The White Sox have typically been your quote-unquote, and again, I, I don't love the phrase because it's I think it's a little too black and white, but um, it, they have been a file and trial team. But with the compressed nature of this spring training um, and the, the pretty good relationship, the understanding relationship that Lucas has with the White Sox and that Lucas has about his own value, about his own free agency – it kind of sounds like things might be a little bit different than just that. I talked with Darren Jackson on Thursday uh, during the Waddle and Sylvie show leading up to that White Sox spring training game that Len and DJ broadcast. And I, I asked him, you know, kind of point blank, you know Lucas better than than most, having been around this team and, and talked with him and been on fights with him and road trips and all this kind of stuff. I can't imagine, I asked DJ, that this kind of thing sticks in Lucas's mind while he's on the field, while he's out there doing his job. And, and DJ said, no, it, it's, it, it's absolutely not that thing. In fact, it's motivation, DJ said. It's one of those things where a competitor like Lucas, like most guys in the bigs, are going to use it as fuel for the fire, are going to use it as an opportunity to go stick it to anybody who's going to dig into the box across you know, 60 feet, six inches on the other side of him. So, you know, if that little extra fire gets added to Lucas, then that could be a good thing for the White Sox. It's certainly something that was in DJ's mind uh, and certainly something that uh, that he's seen from players before. So that's kind of the big news of camp right now for the White Sox. They have made some roster moves. You know, you'll see cuts throughout camp. This is the kind of the time of camp where you start to see those. Nine roster moves for the White Sox just yesterday. Uh, outfielder Blake Rutherford optioned back to AAA Charlotte. There wasn't much thought that Rutherford, though he's on the 40-man, was going to break camp with the team. Uh, so he goes back to Charlotte. A couple of relievers go back to AA Birmingham. And then guys like Cade McClure, Emilio Vargas, Hunter Shriver, Xavier Fernandez, Carlos Perez, two catchers there, and Jose Rodriguez were optioned back to minor league camp. They'll get their minor league assignments closer to the end of spring training. The one guy of note here, at least in my opinion, 
Uh, it was Carlos Perez, the catcher. Uh, he'd had a, some defensive troubles as spring training was kind of clicking along. Tony LaRusa has mentioned a couple of times that Perez could be in the mix for some catching opportunities at the big league level in 2022. He will not break camp with the team, or at least not at this point. He's been reassigned to minor league camp. Jose Rodriguez was a lot of fun to watch. He's one of the White Sox prospects with a ton of helium. I like him a lot. Um, it's been fun to watch him hit. And uh, we will have to wait until the minor league season starts to watch him hit again. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. White Sox Weekly is your spot for White Sox Talk. You want to talk a little Sox? We're the place for you. When we come back, you'll hear from Josh Harrison, new White Sox second baseman. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Here's a pitch. A swing and a fly ball out into left. Well hit. It's going to go. An opposite way home run for Dwight Smith Jr. The ball just flying today. It's 8-4. Kick and the 0-1. Swing and a drive out in the deep center. Back on a Duggar. It is gone. Aloy Jimenez with a home run to tie the game at 1. He jumped all over a high changeup out over the plate. What a nice, short, quick response by Jimenez to make that one go sailing into the bushes and straightaway center. Couple of homers for the White Sox the other day. Dwight Smith Jr. and Aloy Jimenez going yard. You heard Len Casper and Darren Jackson on the call right here on ESPN 1000. You can hear them again this afternoon. The White Sox take on the Angels at 3 o'clock at Camelback Ranch. Vince Velasquez gets the start for the White Sox. Shohei Otani. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Shohei Otani. He'll start for the Angels. We'll talk about the new Shohei rule in Major League Baseball a little bit later on in the show. You can be even closer to the action this season. Located directly behind home plate, the Wintrust Scout Seats offer access to our newly designed luxury club experience with all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service and parking. Plans include flexible payment plans and 2022 postseason opportunities. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000. Visit whitesocks.com. In case you're wondering, man, where are the scout seats again? Right behind the plate, those ones? Yeah, those are the seats where they just, if you want a hot dog, you just kind of raise your hand and and the, the friendly staff there just kind of chucks you a hot dog, you know, whenever you want. No big deal. It's a nice place to watch a game. I, if you have, I highly recommend going and check it out. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got White Sox Weekly here this morning. We're on until 10, and we've got a couple of interviews. Uh, that we wanted to bring to you earlier this week, the new White Sox second baseman, Josh Harrison, fun dude, looking forward to having him on the pregame show and postgame show all season long. Josh Harrison was on with our fellas, Carm and Yurk, Carmen and Yurko, and uh, they got to talk to the White Sox infielder a little bit before he was heading out to take BP before a White Sox spring training game. The boys had Josh on and in true Carmen Yurko form, uh, wanted to get some truth from the veteran. Josh has been around a couple of big league camps before, so the boys were asking, you know, at what point, given this spring training is a little bit different than others, at what point do things become a little monotonous and you want to get back to regular season play? Here's Josh. 
I don't know if I'll be able to answer that. I don't know if it's going to be like that this year. It's kind of quick. Because it's different because it's quicker? I was going to say, is it going to be a little different because it's quick this year? Uh, Yeah, it's going to be quick because, I mean, you look up here now, we had a couple weeks, and, you know, we're opening up. So it's a quick turnaround. But, you know, we put in that work, and I don't think we're at the point to where it's going to get monotonous because, I mean, everything, the time that we missed, we we got to make up, you know, try to get as many game reps and game-like situations as possible. What did you guys do, Josh, during the lockout when you knew spring training was going to be delayed and then it was delayed and you couldn't be in the team facilities? How did you guys stay sharp? Uh, business as usual. Uh, it was Daddy Uber. Take my kids to school, get my workout in. Um, had a few guys in Cincinnati I was able to hit with. My old, my oldest brother, he... um. He manages high for the Diamondbacks, so I was able to hit with him until he left. And then uh, the last couple weeks or so, just got with a few, you know, guys in my area um, that in the same boat as me, free agent, you know, waiting for something to crack. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing about having people close to you, um, where you're from, that, you know, you're able to work out with. Because there was a time I was thinking I might have to go to Florida or Arizona to try one of the sites. But, um there were enough people in Cincinnati that I was able to get my work in and still continue to do my, my daddy Uber job. I love that. The daddy Uber in the morning. Josh, <laughs> after the lockout, after the agreement, are the players happy? Yeah, I think anytime you return back to play, players are going to be happy. Um, especially given not just this year, I say the past three years. We, we, we've had some unprecedented, unprecedented seasons the past three years. Uh, mm. You know, COVID, no fans, then come back to, you know, last year, full season but you know every team dealt with you know injuries or COVID at some point then we come back to you know this season with 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 the lockout so um I think anytime you can return to play um it means some business got handled and go ahead do you guys feel like the deal is fair when it's all said and done yeah I mean and and that's going to be something that's going to have to be answered by everybody individually but I mean as far as the whole taking care of what, you know, the the union and association stands for. Um, it's just like life. This is outside of CBA. There's no way that everybody's going to completely agree on something. Mm-hmm. But um, when you can have mutual agreements to say, okay, we can give a little bit to get there, um, something that, you know, everybody's got a little bit of something because you got to understand if, if one side just wins, nobody wins. So um, as part of it, we were just in a, in a situation where, we, we, we're living in times where things are a little, little unprecedented, where we're not used to, but that, that's part of life. Um, there's so much more to life than just sports, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to get something done because, you know, for a lot of us, this is, this is what we, we do. We love to play the game, and glad we were able to get those things squared away so we can return. You love to play the game, but when you come to a team that's been to the playoffs for two years in a row and is expected to make a little bit of noise... Mm-hmm. You know, within their own division, and again in the playoffs, is that like baseball Viagra for you? <laughs> um, definitely exciting. I was telling somebody the other day. Um, you know, my, my last year in the playoffs was 2015 wild card, so I'm 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 itching to get back to the playoffs. Oh boy, the Cubs, and, did the Cubs do something? That was the Jake Arrieta game, oh, wasn't it, Josh? Man. he was good yeah, that game, it, wasn't he? I want to bring that uh, up. I, I Sorry, think, Josh. I, I think with that game, I put it out of my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just playing. It, it, it was though. But uh, seeing the makeup of the team and playing against them last year when I was traded to Oakland, mm. uh, played against them in Chicago and Oakland. I, I, I mean, it was a good team. And when presented with the opportunity, I felt like it would be a good fit. And, and I'm glad that I, you know, was able to 
you know, come here and join these guys. And Josh, do you feel like you're going to, you know, do the majority of the work at second base for them this year? Uh, I plan on it, but at the same time, um, we can plan for things, and baseball presents you with a lot of different opportunities or things that, you know, you, you can't really prepare for. So I'm, I'm prepared to play second base, but I also know, given the nature of baseball, um, hence the reason why I think I just saw, you know, rosters are going to be opened up the first couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Just protecting people. Um, you know, guys are ramped up, pitchers are ramped up pretty quick. So I'm prepared to play second base every day. Is which is what I'm going to do, but uh, also know that situation may arise in in certain situations where I may have to go spell somebody here or there based off of the situation of the game. So that's White Sox. Well, you just heard him, second baseman Josh Harrison, who's uh, well prepared to head anywhere else if he needs to. And he's right, rosters were opened back up to 28. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, three rules changes for 2022, some of them familiar, some of them necessary, and one of them just kind of nonsense with the runner on second base and extra innings, but we'll get that in just a bit. You can secure your spot this season with the White Sox ticket package. It's the best way to get the best seats at the best prices. Plus, enjoy postseason priority, flexible payment plans, and more. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. When we come back, you'll hear a special interview with White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson's high school basketball coaches, a new YouTube series on the origin stories of Tim Anderson. Scott Suttles is that high school basketball coach and is a big part of TA's origin. We talk to him next on White Sox Weekly. It's ESPN 1000. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White White Sox Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Welcome back. It's White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox fans, you can now watch the first episode of TA7, the story of Tim Anderson. It is the official Tim Anderson documentary presented by Nike. You get to see what young Tim was like before he became the electric ball player he is today. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com or just go to the YouTube page. Type in White Sox, go to their homepage. It's the uh, it's the first video up there, the first episode of TA7, the story of Tim Anderson. I watched the first episode just the other day. It's it's a fun watch. It really is. Um, it's just kind of, you know, I, I covered this team. My first year doing this job was Tim's rookie season. You know, he came up in that year. And, and watching him grow into, you know, just from afar, just watching him grow into the ball player he has, the electric, you know, uh, front cover of a video game kind of dude, you know, the, the home run, it's over at the Field of Dreams game. You know, that, that guy has been a, has been a process. It's, it's, been a, it's been a ball player in the making. So to go back to the very start of Tim Anderson's story, his Hillcrest High days, winning a state championship in basketball, that's where the, uh, that's where the YouTube series starts. We had a chance to talk with Scott Suttles. He's the high school basketball coach of Tim Anderson about Tim's journey, about that team, about the the young man that turned into the White Sox centerpiece at shortstop uh, just the other day. Uh, Appreciate Scott Scott Suttles coming on. uh, And I asked him just to get started. 
to tell me about how he was approached to be on this YouTube series and to be a part of all of this. Well, first of all, thank you, Connor, for having me on. Um, all those guys, uh, from Sheena to Mr. Gates, all those guys were just first class acts. I mean, I just, I was just um, blown away by their professionalism and, um, they were down here mainly to see the turkey giveaway from Tim, but um, we had a blast while they were down here, and uh, it, it was it was it was fun. So the first thing that you say on the episode uh, about Tim is that they called him Tim Tim. Tell me about the nickname and about who Tim Anderson was leading up to his senior year run and a, and a shot and a, and a national or a state title. Yeah, I just think that was again a family thing i think you had to be in his inner circle to be able to refer to him as that i don't know if he he had a lot of affection for that right. and it didn't last long he he uh of course a lot of the state championship broadcast they called him timothy and i know he i know he uh loathed that he despised that but um it was uh just a you know a little nickname everybody for the most part down here in the south has an alias has a little aka so I guess his was just Tim Tim. Someone, you know, I don't know exactly who it was that 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 coined that, but uh, it stuck for a little while. But um, once he became a junior and, and senior, that started to dissipate a little bit. It, it's so so much kind of about Tim and, and his athletic career has been him letting everybody know who's watching that he belongs here and he can do this. You know what I mean? Like whether it's the nickname, his style of play, getting his senior year, all that kind of stuff. I'm really interested in the story you tell on the episode about leading into, I want to say it's the regional final, correct me if I'm wrong, and you told him, people haven't seen you shoot a lot yet, so you're going to have to lift a few up. He did, and he knocked him down, of course, but it was just kind of more of Tim letting people know that I've I've got more here for everybody than you've seen yet. Oh, no, no doubt. Um, I mean, he had to play against Levi Randolph, who was a wonderful college player here at the University of Alabama and Reggie Ragland, who was a linebacker, I think, for the yeah. Super Bowl in the City Chiefs. So we were um, in 08, the only team that was better than us, our first state championship run was probably LaFleur and DeMarcus Cousins. We happened to beat them that day. And um, so this was 2011. And so a lot of the seniors that Tim was playing with were freshmen on that first team. Um, a la the post player Reggie Spencer that ended up at Northeastern in Boston, but no Tim. Tim was in a situation where I just had to kind of sit him down and say, "Now look, on tape you've been such a distributor of the basketball. Um, they're going to run away from you like you've got to play if they sit in this zone." That I think because I didn't think they could match up with this man to man, and this is the team that those two guys that I brought up earlier played for, and so. Tim swung it one time to to a wing player when he got it back in our regular zone set, but he let it fly. I think he hit. I know he hit three of his first five, and um, but but, but I, what was incredible was the athleticism that he showed on a fast break uh, when it was really really nip and tuck in the fourth quarter. Uh, but he just he just had a way of kind of rising to the top, a la you know what he's done with the White Sox in playoffs and his at bats in the playoffs. Talking with Scott Suttles, Tim Anderson's high school basketball coach here on White Sox Weekly. I was watching some of the highlights of Tim. He hit a couple of clutch free throws down the stretch in a, in a huge game in your march to a state title. And I thought it, it just hit me. He's so 
so quiet in his body language going up to the free throw line and taking a dribble or two before hitting it. And then, you know, he hits one. I think it puts you guys up too. And the handshake that he's got, the high five that he has for his teammates is explosive and it's loud. And it's like, yes, we did this. But he's so quiet and everything leading up to it. That's just White Sox fans know that. That's very Tim Anderson. Was it always that way for him? Well, again, it's ironic you would bring up the, the guy that he has the loud clap that you can literally hear on the broadcast. That's Perrin Buford. Perrin Buford played at Middle Tennessee State when they were a 15 seed. They beat Tom Izzo in Michigan State. And he's just now coming back from playing overseas for 11 or 12 years. So Tim played with some dudes, to be honest <laughs> with you. So, so it, wasn't, it wasn't that, that uh, just uh, Tim being meek and mild-mannered. It was just um, he, he knew his role. And, but whenever I needed him to step up, um, boy, did he ever. And uh, that was what was so wonderful about him meshing with, with those other guys. But he was, he was a little floor general. He was a little coach on the, on the court. Tell me about the conversation that you had with Tim leading into his senior year. There's, uh, there's the conversation and there's the chair, I guess, that it took place in. Yeah, the proverbial chair. Yeah, that's, that, that chair sits. It's, it's not very far off the ground, so they, they, they kind of have to look look up at Coach when they're in a little trouble. Of course, he wasn't in trouble. I just wanted to make sure that he wasn't coming out um, back for his senior year just to have a good time, a good role. I, I really needed him to do exactly what he did his senior year. Um, and I And because of his uh, timid nature, I could never get a good um, vibe, a good feel on whether or not he understood that special. We would never bring up, you know, we got a chance to win a state championship. It was just um, we, we really could go far, and this team could make a run, but, but you're the cog in the wheel. You could be the straw that stirs the drink on this team, and I, I just want to know, are you with it? Because if, if not, then I can, you know, play some younger guys. I, I want you to, but um, I need to hear it from you. And I think then he, he realized the <laughs> maybe severity of the of the moment and looked me dead in my eyes and just said, you know, Coach, I got this. And I knew right then and there that I wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. You know, he was we, we were real set oriented that year. Um, I wasn't much of a equal opportunity offensive-minded coach at the time. And, um, again, he would get us in our sets, and I don't have to tell him something one time. And he knew on on scouting uh, our opponent, he, he knew where the opposition was supposed to be when they were running their sets. That That's how in tune he was to film study. And I think that's probably helped him whether it's in the cage or improving. Um, you know, I can vividly remember saying, well, what about the White Sox thinking about maybe moving you? No, no, Coach, I'm a shortstop. <laughs> and I would be like, okay, I got it. And and that's that's what he ended up doing. I'm, I'm so glad you brought it up. I was, I was going to go to that spot. You know, Tim kind of earning his place as a shortstop in the big leagues and really kind of coming into his own, he's got a way about saying, I can do this, you know, whether it's talking to you and letting you know that his senior year, 
he's going to be the point guard you need or letting White Sox fans know that he can be the shortstop they need. He's got a way about telling you this can happen and here's how it's going to work, and you kind of see him play it out on the field or on the court. Yeah, I, I just think because he keeps uh, – I don't know if it's a mantra. He might, might have even learned from – his days down here, but just keeping the main thing, the main thing. Mm. And, and, and that's what he does. And um, realize in, in the minors bouncing around in Birmingham and chart that I've got to work on, you know, long rangy balls up the middle or whatever it may be. And, and he just, I think you'll hear some of these other guys in these next couple episodes, just talk about his dogged approach and, and how, he's going to get it done. Scott, really appreciate you hopping on and chatting about Tim with us. Uh, I am sure we'll see you at guaranteed rate field shortly uh, to watch Tim Anderson play shortstop for the White Sox. No, I had a ball in July. The only problem was I came up there in Lollapalooza. But Lollapalooza is always something with uh, – it's got traffic. It's got a lot of traffic it, involved. It a lot of traffic. There's That's a right. lot of people. We'll get you out for a quiet one. We'll have you up to the booth, and we'll, uh, we'll check out Tim Anderson playing a little baseball for you. Thanks a lot, man. You guys have a good one. Scott Suttles, the high school basketball coach of Tim Anderson at Hillcrest High, obviously a, a formative person in Tim's life, and it was cool to talk with him. You can check out the entire episode on the White Sox YouTube page. It's TA7, the story of Tim Anderson. Second episode comes out on the 29th. I've seen some previews of it. There's, uh, It's going to get a lot more into his baseball career, obviously, uh, and how things went from the hardwood to the basket, uh, to the baseball field, uh, we'll see the generation of the young shortstop Tim Anderson on that YouTube series. TA seven, the story of Tim Anderson. Uh, we'll get into the new rules for the major league season in 2022. Uh, talk about an injury to a big time White Sox player in the first month of last season as well. You mean Mercedes is going to need surgery? We'll tell you what the diagnosis and situation is there when we come back. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports is the home of the White Sox. We're on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow us at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Ballpark perfect for family reunions, fundraisers, and more. Plus, it's the best way to save on all single game prices. After all, White Sox games are better with a group. For more information, call or text 312 674 1000 or visit whitesox.com. It is White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight wrapping things up. Last couple minutes of the show, you know, won't be long. Won't be long at all until these shows move to the two-hour format, our favorite format here on White Sox Weekly, and we'll be doing them leading up to the pregame show on Saturdays. The regular season is just 13 days away. Uh, we've seen more free agent signings over the last week or so. Still a couple of ball players out there. Be interested to see, and I know a lot of White Sox fans will be too, interested to see if, when, and whether – Michael Conforto signs a major league deal here soon. I would imagine if he signs a deal, it is a major league deal. Uh, but now I'm reading that uh, the former Mets outfielder uh, may just be a guy kind of like Craig Kimbrell uh, and Dallas Keuchel when they signed with the Cubs and Braves respectively a couple of years ago might be mid-season signings. I don't know. It was, it's, I'll just kind of 
It's a brand new post-lockout world with a whole bunch of different questions uh, and concerns around it. Speaking of uh, questions and concerns, your mean Mercedes is going to undergo hand surgery. He had a fractured hand bone in his left hand. That's that little, that little um, I don't know, knobby kind of thing toward the end underneath the pinky. Uh, it's, uh, it's a troublesome injury, at least can be for guys. It, it can uh, kind of sap power from you for a little while until it's fully healed. So he's out six to eight weeks. Hopefully the recovery time for him is uh, set and ready to go. You mean, obviously, a huge storyline for the White Sox in the first month and a half of last season. He hit 415 with a 455 on base, a 659 slugging percentage, and really floated the White Sox offense. Sox fans remember it well. Really floated the White Sox offense. Uh, things trailed off after that. You mean had a semi-retirement from baseball, but is back in the fold, and um, you know by all accounts was was really working hard and and excited to be in spring training uh, and pushing for a roster spot. Wasn't sure that was going to happen for him, even if he'd stayed healthy. But obviously now uh, he'll likely start the season. Well, he'll definitely start the season on the injured list. Uh, he'll miss six to eight weeks after going through surgery for that fractured handmate bone. Now, I mentioned the the roster sizes, the new rule changes. There are three of them uh, just put into place this last week for 2022. A lot of these have to do with the the compressed nature of spring training and uh, very compacted 162-game season. So here's the first one. Rosters expand from 26 to 28. And right now... It sounds like that roster expansion will last until May 1st, you know, through that first month of the season. But it's it's possible that we see that expansion of the roster last longer than just the first month. We'll see. A lot of that stuff is pretty fluid. Um, so the maybes on that roster for the White Sox, you know, you figure it's probably more pitching than not. So guys like Ryan Burr and Kyle Crick and Matt Foster and Bennett Sousa, all on the 40-man roster and all eh, possibly – Guys that could be added onto that pitching staff. Remember, Joe Kelly is likely to start the season on the injured list, coming back from that shoulder issue. Uh, and then you've got Vincent Velasquez and Reynaldo Lopez, likely as the long guys or mix-in starters, perhaps, depending on how the White Sox want to go in the first month, call it six weeks of the season. As far as the bats go, you know the White Sox regulars. We're, we're running back a lot of last season so far. Josh Harrison is in the mix at second base, too. Just heard from him a little earlier on White Sox Weekly. But when the rosters go from 26 to 28, that means guys like Danny Mendick or Romy Gonzalez, Jake Berger, or Mike Rodolfo maybe have a chance to squeeze onto this roster. So that could be an interesting thing. Remember, Mike Rodolfo's out of options. Uh, so if he doesn't make that opening day roster, um, he'll be exposed to waivers uh, to, by other teams. Obviously, a, a top international signing by the White Sox uh, a number of years ago. As a 16-year-old, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. He's homered a couple of times this spring. He's talked pretty candidly about his situation. I believe Chuck Garfine had an interview uh, with uh, Mike Rodolfo just a little while ago. It's good. You want to go check it out. Chuck does great work, obviously. So the other rule, other two rules, this one I love. This one's fantastic. Shohei Otani's starting against the White Sox today in spring training. So if he starts and DHs, I don't think that's likely the case for the lineup today for Joe Madden's Angels, but it could be. If he's removed from the start, he can stay in the lineup as the DH. Any starter who uh, 
follows the Shohei Otani plan and will hit while he starts is eligible to stay in the lineup even if he's removed from the start, from pitching. That's a great rule. It keeps Shohei in the game longer. It's a ton of fun to watch that. I don't know that it's going to affect any other team or any other player, but if it does, that'll be a lot of fun to watch. I think it's a smart change. Here's the one I don't love very much. I I do understand that it may, in fact, be necessary in this season, uh, but the zombie runner, and remember, this is not a ghost runner. This is a zombie runner. A ghost runner is a thing that doesn't exist, a person that's not out there, and you have to imagine that that runner is there. In baseball, this runner actually exists. He's there. The zombie runner is back for extra innings in 2022. I'm not wild about it, but it does keep games a little bit shorter in terms of innings length. So that's back for 2022. You can learn from the pros this summer at White Sox Summer Camp. It's presented by Wintrust starting at $159. Kids ages 5 to 12 can register for a camp at any of our 50 Chicagoland locations uh, throughout the area. Register today at whitesox.com slash play that's going to do it for us here on white Sox weekly thanks so much for tuning in thanks to josh harrison and scott suttles tim anderson's high school basketball coach for being a part of the show today tyler aki our producer as always we'll see you next week the boys have the hockey show next pat boyle and brian hanley bring you a lot of blackhawks conversation right here coming up on espn 1000 have a great saturday